0: You're listening to Wormcasts by Parabos, a podcast about worms, fluke, flies, lice, ticks and more. We go beyond the jargon into what really matters and how you can get on top of these costly problems. We'll help you get better production, improve animal welfare and help that bottom
1: line. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Swaney, And I'm Ian Campbell. And welcome to Wormcasts. Today we're talking about a cautionary tale all about why quarantine drenching practices are so important and how to do a quarantine drench properly. Embarrassingly enough, it shows why Ian and I, despite our qualifications and years of experience, still need to keep on learning.
2: I was bringing back sheep that had caught us. A bit of free grazing he bought us. But just like a mug, we used the wrong drug. Now we're plagued by hermocus contortus. Thanks,
1: but now remind me, Ian, what happened?
2: OK, just as a bit of background, our farm is in southwest Victoria, and we've been running sheep for quite a long time, and we knew what our problems were as we monitored our sheep worms and did drench tests. The worms that worried us were the scale worms, Teladorsagia, Trichostrongolus, and Nematodirus occasionally. No fluke, no barber's pole. In fairness to us, we were overseas at the time, but our manager found some free adjustment. A paddock needed eating off before the fire season up in the hills, where it stays green all year round. The sheep came back onto our spelled pastures in pretty good nick. It was a pretty clever thing to have done, really. What we didn't know, though, was that smouldering away in these sheep was a growing population of Barber's pole worm, homonchus contortus, and we didn't do anything specific to nip it in the bud just our normal routine drenches. It wasn't until we had some quite considerable problems that we diagnosed that we now had a barber's pole worm on the property.
1: Okay, so I'm going to save some face here and say that we were monitoring and we did pick it up before we had any deaths, but it was far too late to prevent it, as a big problem for our farm. The horse had bolted. And when you bring in sheep... You bring in a new population of parasites with genes that are completely different to the ones that you already have in the parasites that you've got. So that's a whole new issue for your farm and it might mean that you handle them quite differently. There's The diversity in those resistant worms can be potentially quite different. And also, you, you could even have a different species, which is what actually had happened to us. There was a whole new species that had been introduced, and it happened to have its own brand of resistance. So that's why a quarantine drench onto the farm, or in this case, back onto your farm, is so important. The new population with its own problems, worm control is that much more difficult and harder, and it won't only be for that one time, it will be forever.
2: So, that's any sheep introductions or reintroductions from large mobs to even a ram or two?
1: Yep, that's absolutely right. And uh, there's, it's all about trying to stop that new genetics coming onto your farm.
2: Let's face it, there are a lot of things to consider when you bring sheep onto your farm. You've got foot rot and lice, Yoni's disease gets front billing, maybe the vaccination history. Worms and having a plan about worms is a little bit more insidious. I agree, but each
1: farm should have a well thought out, preferably documented biosecurity plan that covers all aspects of animal health, including worms. After the break, we'll come back and we'll give you more insight into what we should have actually done on this particular occasion. If you have any questions you feel we can help you with or if you'd like to share an experience you've had dealing with a specific parasite or if you have a topic you'd like to discuss please drop us a line on the email wormcasts at paraboss.com.au.
0: Lice infestations reduce fleece weight and downgrade wool quality costing the sheep industry $81 million each year in treatment costs and loss production liceboss contains the latest information on lice and management including liceboss tools and liceboss notes to help prevent new infestations detect infestations through structured monitoring and eradicate infestations in short and long wool sheep and manage chemical residues in wool find out more at paraBoss.com.au. welcome
1: back We've told you about an issue that occurred on our farm and now we're going to tell you more about what we should have done to avoid it.
2: I guess the issue when you bring in sheep is that you don't really know what you're dealing with. If there is any issue, you don't have time to do a worm egg count, let alone a drench test, as they will be contaminating your place from the second they're off the truck. You want to clean them out as soon as they arrive. So explain what we now do and what should have happened.
1: What should have happened, as you say, is the sheep should have been drenched off the truck. But if they've been off food and water for a long period of time, it might be necessary to bring them into the yard and actually give them a feed and water, but in the yard. Don't put them in a paddock. And um, then they need to be drenched. And to do this, you actually need to use four different um, drench groups all at the one time either um, as a mix if it's appropriate or concurrently if they're not designed to be mixed together and at least of those n- drench groups needs to be one of the new actives as in Monopantil which is uh, sold as zolvix or derquantle which is sold as StarTech.
2: so should you consider using specific barber's pole or perhaps fluke drenches as part of your introduction as well that becomes pretty expensive
1: it's nothing like, like as expensive as having this problem though so if you experience a whole new parasite or a whole new drench resistance it it then really becomes exceedingly expensive so uh, there's certainly plenty of examples where for instance fluke has been unwittingly introduced onto a property as well and in terms of treating barber's pole worm an addition of say closantel to a quarantine drenching is probably quite sensible uh, as well, if the, if you've got any suspicion that they might have come from an area, say, with irrigation or some rainfall where Barber's Pole might be uh, endemic. But if you think that you might have fluke snails on your property, then it's even more critical to make sure that you don't introduce fluke. But even if you don't have fluke snails, then you you will actually have quite severe production losses if there's fluke in those animals and they breed breed up in those animals and continue to cause a problem because they last the lifetime of the, of the animal. So it's worth asking the vendor a bit about basically what they use and whether they're in a fluke area and um, if they do, if they are, trying to ensure that you uh, treat them. And to do this, you don't treat them for fluke immediately that they arrive on your property. You need to actually wait for two to three weeks and use the product Um, called flukazole C, which actually kills fluke down to two weeks of age. But in the meantime, make sure that you don't put them onto any paddock that has any marshy areas or areas where the fluke snail might be harboured and uh, treat them as soon as you can after that two to three weeks. But if you do treat them earlier than that, then there is a potential for any immature flukes that are in those animals to uh, then mature because they haven't been killed by that drench and then cause problems further down the track.
2: So we've treated the sheep. Uh, what's next?
1: Once the animals have been quarantine drenched for worms, they actually need to be locked up in the permanent uh, dirt yard or shearing shed if possible, or if they're too big a mob for this, then you actually need to select a quarantine drenching paddock. Um, that you're happy to keep free of stock for six months and that's pretty difficult to do so think about it carefully. It's important that they spend two to three days in there emptying out their gut and making sure that any eggs that from the parasites that they've brought on have been emptied onto that area. For that reason you don't want to graze it while those eggs are still viable or their larvae. Then they can be put onto a contaminated paddock when you've finished that two to three days.
2: This always seems pretty weird to me. You drench them and intentionally put them onto a wormy paddock afterwards.
1: Yep, it's completely counterintuitive. But the purpose behind the contaminated paddock is that worms that have survived will uh, then be diluted by your homegrown worms. And any eggs that still come out of those sheep will also be diluted by any eggs or larvae that are on that pasture. And as they say, the solution to pollution is
2: dilution. But that's not it, is it?
1: No, the final step after 10 to 14 days, these sheep can then be worm egg count tested and you want that result to come back as zero. And if it's not, you need to think again about what else you might need to treat them with.
0: You're listening to Wormcasts, brought to you
1: by Parabos. Can we do some sums on all of that? Okay, so yes, I have done some and I think it's well worth looking at these. I've done some calculations that look at what a good quarantine drench with four groups including one new, new active. So it would come to a roughly fifty per head for a 50 kilogram sheep. And if you add a flucazole into that, then that would bring it up to $2 a head. So for a sheep, if you just factor that cost in every time you're buying them that that's going to be an additional cost I think it's well worth doing. But if we are to compare that with a property that um, actually had issues as a result of not doing quarantine drenching, this isn't our own, it's another one that I just thought might be an interesting exercise to actually look at it. And they went from having a triple active drench being very effective on their property no issues at all They would have used that, say, three times a year on average. And then as a result of bringing in some severe drench resistance, they ended up having to change to, at the time, the only products that were available that were still effective was Zolvix and a long-acting Moxie. Nothing else worked on their property at all. But these days they could also use a StarTech and if we based it on, say, a similar drenching sort of pattern, and three thousand uh, head of head flock uh, with an average weight of fifty kilograms, yet again, the cost goes from per annum on that farm from three thousand one hundred fifty to fourteen thousand one hundred dollars. So it just shows you that the cost of not killing those parasites on the way into that farm is absolutely phenomenal. And if you also looked at introducing potentially fluke or barber's pole, which they'd never had, then the whole expense would be really serious, Um, with fluke drenches costing around about 60 cents per head per treatment and needing at least two, if not three treatments a year, and barber's pole treatments, likewise, clasantals close to 60 cents a head. Or a long-acting moxie, which is often used for controlling Barber's pole worm, is fifty per head.
2: So if you compare these two scenarios, there's no question that the one-off quarantine drench on introduction or reintroduction of any sheep is going to be your best bet.
1: Personally, I can't overemphasise the importance of that procedure. You know, it's just so critical to stopping resistance And as I always say, if there's one message I could get across to farmers, that'd be it. Just make sure you do your quarantine drenching religiously and use four groups, including one of those new actives. So getting rid of parasites once they're on the place is almost impossible. So another thing I thought we'd introduce this uh, podcast would be to talk a bit about tips and tricks, I'm going to call it. And it's perhaps some of the mistakes that happen and and things that happen and and what we could do to avoid them. So in this instance, uh, since we did it, I suppose one of the most common mistakes is not to do your quarantine drench at all or not to use the right uh, actives when you bring it on. So I think one of the common mistakes I see is Q drench, which is Q stood for quarantine and it was four actives and it was very good when it came out. But these days... Those four actives are actually only three against scarworm and chlisantil, which is only specific to barbers poleworm. So it really isn't an adequate quarantine drench. A Q-drench uh, coupled with either StarTech or Zolvix would be fine, but on its own it's not a- enough.
2: So how would you summarise the things we've talked about today?
1: Probably one of the important things was we talked about drenching your sheep off the truck. Uh, As soon as you've allowed them to rehydrate and had a feed, if that's absolutely necessary, drench them straight away before they go onto a paddock with four actives, and one of those needs to be a new active. Also, don't forget the possibility of fluke or barber's pole and treating for those separately if there's any chance that uh, they may have come out of an area with those parasites. Place them onto the quarantine paddock and make sure that it's an area that won't be grazed for six months. Leave them on that paddock for two to three days and then put them into a contaminated paddock. Lastly, do a worm egg count at 10 to 14 days after the drench. And I think that's about it, isn't it? I think so. In the next episode, we'll be talking to Paul Nylon. Paul is a vet and sheep consultant in Tasmania, and he'll be talking about how to clean up those pastures using smart grazing or cattle.
0: You've been listening to Wormcasts, a podcast for Parabos, funded by Australian Wool Innovation, Meat and Livestock Australia and the University of New England. Parabos provides information in managing parasites and worms in sheep, goats and cattle. For more information, visit Paraboss.com.au.